Phil Castellini spoke the truth yesterday, and the truth hurts. The Reds' bullpen threw it back to 2021 and let the Guardians blow the game wide open in the ninth inning. And today, Nick Lodolo arrives, starting his Major League Baseball career in the Queen City. We'll discuss all that and more on today's Locked on Reds. Let's go. You are Locked on Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked on Reds with myself, Jeff Carr, and my co-host, Stephen Offenbaker. We are in our fourth season as podcasters about the Cincinnati Reds, and we have turned what has been a lifelong addiction into information for you on today's Locked on Reds podcast. It's part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Oh, and by the way, thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available on all platforms on today's podcast. The ninth inning obliterated what was turning into a solid opening day game for the Redlegs. Nick Lodolo is set to debut today, weather permitting. But how can we not start with the Phil Castellini comments that are further jamming a wedge between Reds and Reds country, Steve? Jeff, today is the darkest day in my fandom following the Cincinnati Reds. For months and months and years, we've wondered if the Castellini family would ever come to a microphone and tell us the truth. And yesterday, Phil Castellini sat down behind a microphone and exactly told us the truth. He told every single Reds fan all over this great country exactly what he thought of us. He told us that he didn't need us. Phil Castellini let us know that he does not value the opinions of the fans of the Cincinnati Reds. He does not value the time and energy and effort that the Reds fans have put into this team for year after year after year after year. All this Phil Castellini cares about is the money and the money no longer comes from the fans. The money comes from the TV deals and the broadcast rights and Major League Baseball, the corporation. And as long as that is true, the fans have no voice and the fans have no power. Phil Castellini made that very clear. We've often wondered what it is we can do as Reds fans to fight back, push back, demand that we be treated with the respect that we deserve for following baseball's oldest professional franchise as it builds itself. The birthplace of professional baseball, Cincinnati, Ohio. A city that has embraced baseball over football, over hockey, over basketball for generations is being taken for granted. Phil Castellini let us know that that passion, that desire for winning baseball doesn't matter to him. We can look back on yesterday and know that that was the day that our fears were confirmed. That was the day that we learned that there's nothing that we can do to stop what the Castellini family is going to do with this team. And if they don't like what we have to say, if they don't like the message we're putting forward, they'll threaten to take the team away. I'm heartbroken, Jeff. I've loved this team all my life. It hurts me to think that the ownership group really feels this way about us, but it's clear that they do. What do I want to have happen? Well, it's already happening. Ever since it was announced that Bob Castellini attempted to get Hal McCoy fired, the Reds media has pushed back. The beat writers have been writing more freely without fear of having their jobs and access taken away. 
We've seen it in pieces today by writers such as Charlie Goldsmith and C. Trent Rosecrans in print media. We've watched as the radio broadcasters have finally rebelled and they're putting forth their opinions without fear of being called into the principal's office and having their jobs taken away. McAllister and Egger both are putting out there the truth. That's what needs to happen moving forward. Whether you're a beat writer for a paid position, an independent writer doing your own business, if you're in broadcast radio, broadcasting across the airwaves, or if you're operating a blog or a podcast, the time is now to be unified with a consistent message that, Phil, we will not be silenced and we will not be quiet while you continue to run this beloved franchise into the ground. I know I've taken a lot of time in this segment, Jeff, and I'm, I'm sorry. And, and just for me to get through it was a lot of work, and, and I appreciate the, the time you put into our show notes here. And we'll, and we'll get into it now. Um, I have a lot more things I'd like to say. This might actually end up being my first uh, video bonus on the YouTube channel a little bit later um, as I continue to organize my thoughts. Obviously, uh, it's a tough day for me. Yeah, make sure you're subscribed to the yesterday. YouTube channel there to see all that. I, 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 I agree with you, and I think that what we can do is represent the two sides of Red's country that saw this news yesterday because I was down there. I was at the game. I was at the bank, so I was celebrating. It was opening day. It was fun. And let's be honest, if you were down there, you were vaguely aware of Phil Castellini's comments. The fact that he decided to make this on opening day is very troubling. And it was very interesting as to how Mo said this unfolded. It's not as if Mo had scheduled him to be on the show. It was Mo Egger and Scott Sloan from 9 a.m. to noon on 700 WLW. It's not as if he was even a scheduled guest. Mo said that Phil Castellini showed up to the Holy Grail. They invited him on stage and he came up to talk. And then he asked him a simple question. It was a question with regards to, you know, how do you respond to uh, fan, you know, directly asked him saying, you know, fans should have a little faith in us and why fans should continue to trust the current leadership of this organization. And instead of like making some sort of, you know, nice answer, hey, it's opening day. You know what? We had a nice series in Atlanta. It looks like we got some dudes who are going to grow with us. And here in a year or two, we're going to be a pretty solid playoff contending team. He came at everybody by saying, where are you going to go? And when I when I heard that. So I was at Smoke Justice whenever I first heard these comments and I was getting ready to go on air with Mo and Tony. I, I was dumbfounded. I had no idea how to respond to that because, you know, I'm in celebration mode. But you, you were at home and there were a lot of Reds fans who were at home that weren't able to get it or they were at work or, you know, they weren't able to get down to the ballpark. And that was understandable because the way that everything got moved around. You all were in this. You all saw everything and you saw Brandon Seho come back and, and give him a chance to kind of walk back those comments. And then Phil Castellini doubled down. I always think of it this way, Steve, like when you're around a family of people and maybe you, you're, you're not sure how that family that, you know, it's a family that, you know, maybe at church, maybe at school or something like that. And you're not sure as to where you stand with like the parents or whatever, but the kids are standoffish. And so you're like, okay, I get it. They're not, they don't really like us because kids can't hide their emotions. Well, Phil Castellini was kind of the kid here and he was being standoffish toward the entire Reds country fan base. And it's just, it, he can't hide it anymore. It's it's out there. And, and the apology that he gave was pfft, whatever. No, you know what, Jeff? Uh, 
if there was any doubt in your mind that if you tried to give Phil the benefit of the doubt and think that the, the Mo Egger interview just got away from him, that he didn't realize how he was going to come off. All of that gets thrown out the window when you take his comments that he made to Brandon Saho. It's listen, I'm going to read them. The answer is, are you going to abandon being a Reds fan? Are you going to abandon following the team? We haven't abandoned it. We haven't abandoned investing in the team, in this community. The point is, uh, how about everybody just settle down? Just settle down. You know what, Phil? You settle down. Yeah. I mean, that's unacceptable. That's, that's what my parents told me whenever I was running around the house as a little kid. Like, what, why on earth are, is he telling a bunch of adults to settle down? Obviously, Red's country has struck a nerve. I mean, that, that's the answer here. We've struck a nerve with the ownership, and they're trying to do whatever it is they can. And Phil Castellini just kind of put his foot on the whole situation and stuffed like well, let's, a thousand let's shoes not in be vague. Let's not be vague about it. Chad Dotson and a group of Reds fans crowdsourced a billboard that said, sell the team, Bob. This was a calculated response that he knew would infuriate Reds country, that he knew would get exactly the response that it's getting, that he could issue a blanket apology for later. But he came out and sent a clear message to you and me and everyone else. And that is, you play nice or we will take our toy and go to another city. (laughs) Exactly. That's the message. And... To think that anybody would want to try and move this franchise, I don't think that's happening because you're talking about the oldest professional baseball franchise, and if you have any idea that you think you're going to move it, good luck. Also, Steve, by the way, I got I got to put this out here <clears throat> because we're talking about frustrations and and things on opening day that just really got to us. Frybox ran out of stuff in the third inning. What are we doing? It is opening day. There should be a lot of stuff. There should be chicken at the wazoo. We got pulled pork coming out of our ears. No, it's the third inning. We got people getting up in line. They're waiting in line half an hour to get a fry box, and they get up to the front and like, we got fries. And if you Listen, want, Jeff, I saw video footage of uh, Phil Castellini eating fry box <sighs> in the fifth. That's what it so. was. That's what <laughs> I just I had to I appreciate you. I appreciate you bringing some humor back to this because I'm a little worked up. I, I, I really do. Uh, Jeff, the big takeaway from all of this is the stadium is going to be very light on fans moving forward uh, for a long, long time. Uh, I think that uh, this is something that uh, the ownership group cannot take back. No. Coming up, I'm going to talk about how Tyler Stevenson was a base stealer's nightmare. And uh, Tyler Naquin went yard as well. But it was all erased by a ninth inning bullpen meltdown. That sounds like a familiar story. This bullpen is going to have some growing pains as it continues to grow and gain experience. But if you want to grow up to be big and strong, Jeff, grab a Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Maybe even better than a candy bar. Uh, Built Bar helps you stick to your diet and achieve your health and fitness goals because it tastes so good you are going to want to eat it. Unlike other protein bars, which can taste chalky or waxy or or taste like you're taking a big drink out of a bucket that was collected at a chemical spill, uh, Built Bar tastes great and it's going to make you want to eat healthy. Uh, 
sometimes eating healthy can just get so boring and you get into a new diet or a new fitness regime and after a few weeks you're ready to just throw it out because you want a candy bar you want some chocolate the good news is built bar is covered in 100 real chocolate and it has amazing health statistics i talk about it all the time you love the statistics i love the statistics everybody loves the statistics the statistics for built bar 130 calories four grams of sugar four net carbs for you keto folks and they are jam-packed with 17 grams of protein. Uh, they have amazing flavors like cherry barcia, coconut brownie chunk, salted caramel, many v- varieties of product lines like the puffs. Uh, there's uh, a protein enriched beef broth that I've been working on when it's uh, uh, cold in the evenings here in Hawaii. It does get cold. Uh, those are a great treat. So if you want to place your Built Bar order, head over to Built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15. That's going to give you 15% off of your next order at Built Bar. Uh, get your good treats, keep your diet in check, and help get raise your health and fitness. Built.com, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order. After you're done listening to us today, check out the Locked On MLB Prospects podcast. Uh, Lindsey Crosby will keep you informed on all things minor leagues as well as a little college baseball as well. The Locked On MLB Prospects podcast is free and available on all podcasting platforms, just like us here at Locked On Reds. Thanks again for making Locked on Reds your first listen of the day. Make sure you are following the podcast on all platforms, including YouTube, as I mentioned up there in that very somber first segment. I may be on YouTube a little bit later today. Uh, Tomorrow, the Reds head west for the first left coast road trip of the year. We're going to have a little late night Reds coming up, and we are going to tell you why it's David versus Goliath at Chavez Ravine. Uh, hey Jeff, you know what? Uh, there was a baseball game yesterday. Yes, uh, in spite of all of what the media news cycle has been consumed by, there was a baseball, and there were some good moments. There were some bad moments. There were some ugly moments. But there was baseball. There was baseball in the Queen City, and it was basically a tale of the Tylers. Our guy Tyler Stevenson threw out not one, not two, but your favorite number three runners on the base pass, and and it looked like maybe Cleveland came into this series thinking they could run on Tyler Stevenson. And, and that notion has been dispelled. Yeah, I think that Tyler Stevenson's going to have to be ready for this because there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to test him. They know that he is a newbie to this idea of being the catcher number one. And it's interesting because he's literally caught every day so far. I wonder if he was going to be off today for Lodolo's uh, debut, but I saw him in the lineup, so he's continuing to go. But I, I look at this and I say there's teams that are going to try and run on him all day. It was very encouraging, though, because they're in the first inning. Steve Kwan walks, which he got on base a million times. Again, his on-base percentage is like a gajillion. But um, he walks and he tries to steal second. Stevenson throws him out. Then Jose Ramirez gets on base. I think he singled. And Jose Ramirez tries to steal. And I'm like, nope, not him either. I, I love to see the way that Tyler Stevenson handled that. I think he did give up one steal. But hey, three out of four, that's like, that's all the fame worthy numbers right there. I love hey, to see. If he throws love out 75% of runners. Ooh on the season I, hey 
we'll take it. Give that man a platinum glove, not even a gold glove. Like we're going to have to make it shinier or something. But yeah, I mean, and to continue kind of the theme of the day, opening day was like the tale of the Tylers because Tyler Naquin, when you're talking about the positive side of things, gave a huge bomb into the batter's eye. And I'm telling you what. Absolute jack. That was a roar. Absolute jack. That was a roar. From the crowd. Everybody was so like, as soon as it hit the bat, we knew we're like, that thing is gone because it tied the game four runs, sixth inning. That was a beautiful inning that honestly, up until that point, everybody was kind of getting a little bit worried because Shane Biebs was just rolling. He was, I think, in fact, until um, Fraley's double that scored the Reds first run, they had no hits. And the Biebs was rolling. So it was great to see them just absolutely go off there in the fourth inning. And then, of course, it all gets blown in the ninth, which we'll talk about in a moment. But not the best of days for Tyler Malley. You know, and I'm interested from your perspective in the stadium, you know, what you saw with Tyler Malley. I mean, it wasn't exactly home Malley of 2021, but right. it wasn't road Malley either. And, uh, you know, I think you got, you know, there might have been a couple bad breaks along the way. But what was your impression being in the ballpark watching it unfold? It was interesting because it seemed like he was trying to be pitch efficient, like he was really focused on, OK, it. I can get guys out with this defense, so let's let's do that for the first couple of innings. Because it wasn't like he was trying to pitch around anybody. He only got one strikeout, I think, through the first two innings. But then whenever it came to the third and the fourth inning, he got the two strikes. And I don't know if he was trying to get strikeouts or whatnot, but he was giving up a lot of two-strike hits. And they were like, you know, singles down the line that was just out of the reach of Moose, which let's be honest, if it's three feet away from Moose, (laughs) it's out of his reach. Uh, or, Or if it's down the first baseline or something like that, they weren't like super impressive bombs. I don't think there were a lot of barrels. But then, of course, he had that whole big fiasco where he had the error trying to throw it to first base. And that kind of got in his way, because I think if you look at the box score, I think only one of the runs he allowed was earned. You know, we've talked about the Tylers and, and, and broke this down kind of in a, a way that I like to do things sometimes, which is the good, the bad, and the ugly. You know, we've talked about the good, which is Tyler Stevenson and Tyler Naquin. We've talked about the bad, which is, you know, basically how Tyler Malley's day went overall. And then I've got a couple nominees here for the ugly, Jeff. Uh one of them centers around the kind of botched run and hit between uh, Jake Fraley and Kyle Farmer on base. And the other one is the bullpen in the ninth inning. Uh, yeah. Probably the bullpen in the ninth inning wins as being the ugliest moment of the game. But let's start with that botched run and hit because I think people were wondering, you know, did Kyle Farmer lose track of the outs? Did Kyle Farmer not realize what was going on? But I don't think that's what happened. I think this was a designed play. No, yeah, that was definitely a called play because. Because as soon as the ball left the pitcher's hand, Kyle Farmer was breaking towards second. It was an obvious run and hit. And it's intriguing to think because that it was the first two outs of that inning. Farmer had gotten on with nobody out. And so you're thinking, all right, this is the rally that the Reds get the lead. This is the inning that they rally for the lead. And that's how everybody was starting to feel. But the idea of running and hitting, I love the idea. I want to see them do that. It makes me wonder, though, if Jake Fraley was the right guy. Because Jake Fraley's got a little bit more, and we were talking about this off air, a little bit more of a 
looping action on his swing. He's trying to get that lift on the ball. And that's absolutely not what you want to do if you're calling a run and hit because that's what happens. You get Kyle Farmer sliding into second base, and as he is going down to the slide, the left fielder's catching the ball and throwing it in. There were a lot of people in the stands that were just like, why on earth did he not run back? It's not because he was watching the ball. The play is not to you know, watch the ball and then go. It is go and hope that the ball doesn't get caught. You know, I think uh, another point in this that we talked a little bit about off air is that any other day in Cincinnati this season, I think that Kyle Farmer hears the contact of the bat on the ball, but because it was a sellout crowd, I'm not sure that Farmer heard uh, the contact because if you watch the replay, when he slides into second base, the first thing he does is look back towards home plate to see what's going on. Mm -hmm. You know, I think if he hears that contact, he's looking in the outfield to try and figure out what's up. So, you know, it it was just, I think, a perfect storm of things that, you know, just went wrong. And it ended up being an ugly moment in the game. And it definitely shows us that, yes, this team is always going to be around when it comes to the day-to-day games. I don't care who they're playing, if they're playing the Braves, the Guardians, they got the Dodgers coming up. The Reds are going to be in these games. They're not going to get ran over and they're not going to lay down. The problem's going to be consistency with what they do. The botched run and hit is a big thing. And honestly, it's definitely got more of an argument than people would think because obviously giving up runs is worse, but they really had a shot to get the lead there. And I think if they get the lead, we're talking about a completely different scenario the rest of the game. But then that ninth inning and part of it, Part of it is not the young guys in the bullpen because Hunter Strickland probably isn't going to be around. I wonder if he's even going to finish the season with the team, but he's not going to be around whenever these young dudes are established, like Duarte and Diaz and Moretta and all these guys. But then after they've given up the lead, after they've really kind of blown the doors off this game, David Bell brings in Daniel Duarte. Which is a little bit of him having faith in a young guy, but also I feel like that was kind of unfair to him because this is his second career appearance. And here's the meat of the order. The only guys that you can really care about on this Guardians lineup. Let's let's make no mistake about it. Two, three, four. They're a little bit dangerous. Outside of that, I don't really care. But then he's facing Jose Ramirez with the bases loaded and pretty much... What happened was no surprise to anybody because Jose Ramirez is really good at baseball. You know, it's unfortunate and it's even more unfortunate when we look at the transactions today and see that Duarte has been sent mm-hmm. back to Louisville to make room for Nick Lodolo, who we're going to talk out, talk about coming up here in a minute. But, you know, and that decision may have already been made. That may have factored into why he was put into that situation. If they already had decided he was going to be the guy to go, uh, of course, you're going to use him yesterday because you can send him down and not have an impact on the bullpen. So, uh, you know, when we talked about this yesterday, Jeff, uh, I have no concerns or doubt that we're going to see him back up at the major leagues. You know, it's a bump in the road. They ask a big ask of him. It didn't work out. And it's unfortunate. I hope that uh, it doesn't shake his confidence too much because I think he's going to be a great relief pitcher uh, for a lot of years. So, you know, it's unfortunate, but uh, it really hurt to see the Reds bullpen revert to uh, the 2021 opening day form as well. Well, and a quick thought on that, too, because I'm actually kind of okay with rolling through the growing pains of this bullpen because it is a growing 
bullpen. We're not talking about retreads of Cam Bedrosian and Carson Fulmer, and we're not trying to roll Brad Brock out there every other day. It's like we've got guys who are building a career, who are going to be in the groove of their career, if you will, whenever this team is supposed to be competing for a playoff spot. We don't have a bunch of one-year guys that we're just going to kick to the curb at the end of the year anyway. So I'm kind of okay. Like, I hate the fact that they lost, but I'm not sitting here looking like, oh my gosh, where do we where do we go from here? Because we've got a bunch of yard sale dudes. It's going to be some growing pains. There's going to be days like this. But as a whole, when I look at this bullpen, I'm, I'm much more, I'm still much more encouraged this year than I was last year. And it's just a point of consistency that this Reds team is going to have to get to because they're always going to be in it, Steve. That, that's, that's how I feel when you're looking at Reds baseball in 2022. They're never out of a game. Agreed. You know, there's a new jewel in the crown of the Queen City there, Steve, and he debuts today as Nick Lodolo takes the mound for his Major League debut. We're going to talk about that and get you ready for his start coming up next. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at S. Offenbaker with two F's and at Jeff Carr with three F's. You can also follow the show at Lockdown Reds and make sure you're subscribed on YouTube. We've said that a couple of times today, Steve, so everybody should be subscribed at this point. Happy Lodolo Day to you, sir. Happy, happy. <laughs> it's it's, it's going to be a good day. I, I firmly believe it. Look, he has got, if Hunter Green was hype 1A, he's hype 1B. I don't think it's the same level. We're not talking about a guy that we expect to be the ace of the staff moving forward, but he's going to be two or three. He is going to be very good because he has shown a very key component to the game of pitching, and that is command, command, command. This dude knows how to locate his pitches, and he knows how to keep everything in the strike zone or at least around the strike zone so that he's not getting into trouble by issuing free passes. And that's where we've got to start with Nick Lodolo because that has been the biggest bugaboo. We've talked about this many times that whenever guys were coming up these past, you know, five, six, seven years, they had trouble keeping the ball in the strike zone. That's not Nick Lodolo's game. He is good at keeping the ball right around that little box that you see on the screen. You know, I think it's important to remember that Nick Lodolo and Hunter Green are two different types of pitchers. They do things differently. Now, they're both very, very good. They just do it differently. When you look at Nick Lodolo, you have to you look at his delivery, look at his arm slot, uh, look at look at he has a lot of ease to what he's doing. It doesn't look like he's working very hard. And then the ball just jumps. It's, it's alive. He has a very I guess we could call it a classic pitch mitt. Yeah a classic pitch mix, uh, what he tries to do with the hitters. Yeah, it's it's fastball, breaking ball, changeup. And I think his breaking ball, I think he's got a curve and a slider. I think he's much more attuned with the curve, and the curve is very, very nice. Lots of people like to say nice things about it. So I'm very excited to see how Cleveland Guardians healer, hitters have to deal with that. But on the whole, when you're talking about Nick Lodolo, it's the smarts. It's the the everything that goes with this game that you can't really quantify. The things that don't show up on the statistics that he has got in droves. And I love to see that about him because we've seen a lot of guys come up through the Reds farm system that didn't quite necessarily have a grasp on how to keep control of their emotions whenever things got tough. I mean, we saw that with Hunter Green. He, or we saw an opposite of that with Hunter Green because he was very good 
at keeping things in check. And I think that's been the biggest move for the Reds' development system when it comes to pitching over the last few years. Yes, we can talk about the analytical stuff, but on the whole, I think that Derek Johnson has instilled a measure of confidence in these young guys that, yeah, look, you're going to give up some hits. You're going to give up some runs. What do you do after that? How do you bounce back? And they're very good at doing that. So I'm looking forward to see how Nick Lodolo can do, because make no mistake about it, I'm not saying he's going to come in here and pitch a shutout. You know, I think the the word of the day is maturity. Yeah. Uh, both Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo are very mature. Uh, they approach they approach their work with dedication and consistency. Uh, we saw that in in Hunter Green, and we're seeing that in Nick Lodolo. They uh, they listen to the coaches. They listen to the staff uh, through the system. They utilize the resources available to them. And I like what they've been able to put together so far. For Lodolo today, you know, I think uh, a couple things I would like to see. I would like him to to be able to keep his pitch count low. I would like for him to not have to battle into a lot of full counts. I definitely don't want to see him put guys on base. We saw that with Reaver San Martin yes. and we saw the disaster that ensued by putting runners on base for free. If Lodolo can go out there, uh, pitch to pitch blow it by people when you can uh, keep the contact on the ground let the defense work behind him uh, I'm really confident that the Reds can come out of this series with a split you know I know that I predicted that it would be a sweep uh, I thought we might get there I thought it might happen uh, but the wheels came off but I do think that they can come back out there today weather permitting and uh, behind Lodolo really get a quality start and, and get a victory I agree give me give me an average of less than 20 pitches per inning and I think it is a success. I don't want to see him getting into the 25s, 30s or or higher than that because I think if if you're talking about a pitch a pitch count of like 35 in one inning, then that's likely his last inning because I don't think mm-hmm. David Bell is going to leave him out there to deal with stuff, especially in this rough weather. In fact, just heard some thunder a moment ago, so we'll see if he even gets the debut today. Um, but it, I, I'm very excited to see. Bet Online actually has the over/under on this game at nine and a half, so they think that there's going to be some runs scored. I'm hoping for uh, the Reds' part that they all come from the Reds against Tristan McKenzie. Well, one thing's for sure, Jeff. Another piece of the future starts today in Cincinnati, and I am very, very excited for it. I think that is probably a great place to go ahead and wrap up this edition of Locked on Reds. Coming up on tomorrow's podcast, we are going to break down Nick Lodolo's debut and get you ready for hashtag late night Reds as the Redlegs head out west for a four-game set against the Los Angeles Dodgers. Thanks for making Locked on Reds your first listen of the day. Now make Locked on MLB your second listen. Paul Francis Sullivan, please call him Sully, brings you his unique perspective on the major leagues, both past and present. Locked on MLB, just like Locked on Reds, is free and available on all platforms. Jeff, even though the Reds ownership group is trying to drive us away, we love the Reds. We love talking baseball. Phil wants to know where we are going to go and what we're going to do. Why don't you tell him? We're going to be locked on Reds every single day. God damn it, we were going so well until I messed up and then I messed us all up. <laughs> no, I, I, I will. I won't leave that in. I. No, I don't think so.